0: ApropaMX Network Production. The only athlete-to-athlete podcast in the sport. Questions from a different perspective. The hard questions you want answered about training, riding, and being a professional athlete. Not only in motocross, but in other sports realms as well. Welcome to Shifting Gears, the Zach Osborne Podcast.
1: What's up guys? Shifting Gears Episode 7. I'm Zach Osborne and we're here with Chad Reed. Um, we're in Las Vegas for the final Supercross. I know it was your, sort of your goal once you got injured to... You know, be back for this, or that or was, you know, what you're aiming for. Um, obviously, it didn't quite happen, but you look pretty healthy to me, like more healthy than than a few weeks ago when I was seeing you. Yeah, no, it's nice to, you know, make a recovery and uh, and get back, you know, start getting back to
0: more health, you know, healthy you know how it is when you get hurt it's like you know you're not eating you know trying to you know just recover and all yeah. that stuff so um yeah the goal was to, to make it here and mainly that was just doing the math and you're kind of like your typical hey i got some broken bones it's four to six weeks the race is at six so you think you're stronger than normal and you can make it back in four um but the goal was always like i always thought that it would just be better it's healthier to feel like hey i don't want to lay on the couch and lick my wounds and and be disappointed about what happened you know i'd rather get back out there and just kind of like hey you want to get healthy and just kind of full steam ahead so that was the original goal and and honestly uh three weeks in i just knew that it wasn't progressing like three weeks in i was expecting getting back on my bicycle you know kind of back to more physical training so i didn't lose my fitness and and things like that and when that didn't happen and then i started to kind of question like you know you, you know how it is i mean you know your body as an athlete and you know that you know one day to the next sometimes there's big improvements and small but when you're going from one day to the next and then you're living by that and then one week from now one week another week and then it all starts to you know flow together and it wasn't. It would, like the numbers weren't adding right. up for me. You know, yeah, like but I, right away, I knew it wasn't gonna. gonna.
1: Even then, it's still ha- nice to have like a little bit of a goal, something to shoot for, something to recover for. Instead of like, oh, you know, ride whenever I ride. It's nice to have like a. Something to, something to get, get you up in the morning And be like, you know, this is what I'm chasing And even if it didn't happen, like, your quality of life Comes around much yeah, quicker That's what That was really 100%
0: the reason why I was just like, you know what, I'm in this hospital bed It sucks, I'm in pain I don't want to be here But I felt like it was healthy for me to You know, make that, you know Give that intention and just be like Hey, I'm going to get out of this hospital I'm going to get home and, you know, get back to 100% um, You know, because I didn't have outdoors So it's not like I'm, you know like okay i got hurt that was a bummer sit out five races you know but really just you know put all your focus and 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 energy into outdoors and with that not the case um i just thought it was healthy for me to try to get back and i love vegas like vegas is such a yeah such a rad race you know like i was watching there's always hype around it the track's slippery it blows out you know like there's just there's something about it that that like you know gives me gives me more energy and i like i i get excited about it
1: yeah i've always sort of uh Thought you were more of a hard Hard rider and I've watched some of your Best races in history being here I was watching the 06 race the other night uh, I was watching bar to bar but um, Yeah I always felt like you were More comfortable on the hard stuff so It kind of played into your favorite to, to race Or whatever here. yeah I just think the technique
0: of it Comes comes into play you know trying to Trying to get 450 cc's To the ground and you know trying To find the lines and it Seems that you know like 06 era it, like everything was rock hard you know like Definitely. And, and now when you look at it I mean the, the state you know like the section outside the the st- uh, stadium literally looks like an outdoor motocross track <laughs> and it's like before it was just that was polished rock hard blue groove yeah, really. so just so different how we you know the concept of how they prep racetracks now and what's you know what's become normal
1: yeah I can't believe it I was watching like you said 06 the other night and uh, coming out of the stadium was legit like black blue groove and i've never raced here when it was even remotely like that and i mean i started in 07 and it still was you know already sort of changing if you will yeah um that's something i wanted to talk to you about later in the podcast but um yeah so this is more based around the story of how you got here um obviously being australian you had a long journey to get here i know you went through um some years in europe and uh uh, yeah, I mean, how did you get started? What what sparked your interest in dirt bike racing? For me, like the big thing was is like you know I think that my
0: you know my journey here is has obviously been different of like where I started and where I, where I ended up. But I think gen- generally, I, I lived a very motor life. You know, like uh, whether whether you're Australian, New Zealand, European, or, or or American, I think that that you know like that core you know just moto live it breathe it eat it sleep it kind of thing um i did i did that as a young kid you know i started riding at three and a half years old racing at four um and i and i i look back on my childhood and it was like and it always makes me proud because i think i lived like a really different era of what it currently is and how yeah. like how you as an australian because of what i've been able to do and achieve it's so different you know like the when they it, i almost think it hurts them more than it helps them because now the goal is always you know like okay i'm gonna race here and then i'm gonna go there and then right. and it can happen and it will happen you know like people are like oh yeah where for us, I think we had to, like, you had to knuckle down and you had to work for it. Yeah. Um, the, the racing was different. You know, like, we... I raced flat track as a kid. Um you know we'd, we'd do motocross one weekend flat track some weekends they would do like they would call it like an iron man series so like one day you'd do flat track that's so you'd sick. have like full like uh almost like a trials tire on and the next day like switch it over and go go motocross racing that's and awesome so i think that like i i generally like i had to learn a lot of different things you know and you know like heavy braking you know different tires and then i think that that obviously just contributed to me being you know who i am today and and you know when you when you think of some of my my strengths and the things that I that I'm you know that you're generally you know becomes more I would say more easy for you or more like just natural. Um, it's a lot of those things that you learn at a young age, you know. So. Yeah, just that, I, you know, like for me, I never lived what I currently see where it's like they're homeschooled and, and life is 100% moto. Like I felt like I had a, a good balance, yeah. you know, like I went to public school, um, you know, I have my, hung out with my cousins, rode my BMX bike around town. Um, so just, yeah, generally I, I lived a very, very normal life. Um, I just raced dirt bikes on the weekends. I wasn't the stick and ball, the soccer, you know, in Australia, soccer and football is really, right. really popular. So, you know. Know, while while kids talked about that at school and their and then their trophies on mondays were typically a soccer ball or something like that you know mine set, mine had a dirt bike on it so that's awesome it, yeah i just made it made it cool made it fun and and just comp-
1: i was very different than than a lot of the kids like you said like it's a little bit of a different era now with kids being homeschooled being at a facility whatever the case is like i i talked to my team manager often about um some of the rookies coming in and, and the younger guys and like the lack of just racecraft, you know like that like oh, i'm gonna pass this guy here or you know i see guys that are that are younger that are coming through that are just trying to pass someone at every corner i'm like, S- like let's hold up sit back yeah. here let's make it let's make a little bit of a run at it and then try to pass them you know it 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 rings so true to me like when you say that that you raced tons you know i raced tons as a kid growing up i raced two or three times a weekend at two or three different tracks you know and um i think that kids miss out on that these days with just finding um their their like race feet and their their craft as a kid uh where you know we we did so much racing i probably am Even, you know, in a different era I definitely am in a different era than you But um, I feel like they they missed out on that Yeah,
0: and I see, like you said Like now there's so many facilities And all the manufacturers are seemingly putting You know, these amateur kids into these programs and plugging them in, and it's kind of like this plug-and-play system of, you know, like that. The, there's so much riding, but I don't see racing so much anymore. Yeah. You know, like like I don't follow the amateur racing a whole lot, but from the little that I see, it's like you got your it seemed like there's maybe 3 or 4 races a year that they're somewhat contracted to um and really all that's just built around Loretta's. Um, but other than that like the racing doesn't seem like it's it's the it's the priority anymore yeah, you know it's like smart. it's like let's get this kid in here work him like a racehorse <laughs> you know turn him in, him into a somewhat of a robot and i feel like we're losing just my opinion we're losing a little bit of the um the the natural uh what what i think when i look at like you know like an an rj or mcgrath and abby you know rc stew myself like you know and and even even into like i kind of clued include you guys into it you know like for you 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 when i look at your career like you went to europe and i just think that like going to europe you learn so much yeah you know like you don't want to be in no hospital in Europe, you know, so like, (laughs) and not that that's ever on your mind, but you, I think you consciously like, you make better decisions. You, you, you just make it work. Right. You know, like it's becoming easier and I'm sure it was much easier, you know, like within the last 10 years rather than, 19 years ago <laughs> but uh you know like we had roadmaps and that was it like there wasn't no iphones to
1: i, I was lucky i had like a tom tom
0: you got yeah so you got the tom tom error and things like that so um all that started to come along and still not even easy. like i go to europe now and i'm like oh my gosh it is literally so easy like you plug in where you want to go yeah the lady talks english to you 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 know <laughs> and like you're pretty much you got I often it
1: wonder like how even with the tom tom sometimes it was like Man, I don't know if this is the right field in the middle of you know wherever. Like it was a bit of a gamble, like a roll of the dice, whether we were going to get to where we were going or not. I can't imagine doing that with a, a you know a paper map. That was yeah. Be and enormous. so I
0: just feel like there was a you know like there's that it it teaches you um like you have this ability to get it done you know like that you want to go racing and your ultimate goal is to race at the highest level and whether that be australia europe or here in america it's like it's just you know how do i get there and then you just you know you're plugging away plugging away now it seems like I don't think that it's necessarily easier because at the end of the day, it's still riding a dirt bike. But I think that they, you know, they, they their future is more more guaranteed, is what I see. Yeah, you know, like. I never had you know five year contracts at the end of my amateur career yeah. or, or anything like that there's I mean,
1: a little more of a road map there's you will. definitely like, a road if you do map, this you know? you'll get this Correct. and then
0: this will happen or whatever yeah yeah so it seems like there's I always call it like the plug and play system you know yeah it's I like understand this, that you know like there's this roadmap, like you say and it's like You know, at a certain age, they start plugging these kids into that map, and off they go. Yeah. And, and, you know, sometimes we see them succeeding quickly. Sometimes we see them coming on late, you know. I mean, like I look at, like, Cinterello, and it's like he's already, what, year six or seven, you know, in the lights class. And you're really seeing him come of age and now being able to put, you know, practice sessions together, you know, week week after week races, you know, staying injury-free. That happens for different people at different times and it totally sure. happens you know like i mean we all saw him he was this miniature little kid you know yeah. tiny little kid and then now he's six two he's he's like taller than me and i'm just anymore, like yeah. i couldn't i would never have predicted that right. so i just think that yeah that's that's the only thing i see probably that's so different now it's just that there's more of a guarantee um at a, at a younger age right so i think that the the ability to not feel rushed and and I, and I don't know that I was ever rushed because I was personally rushed I was rushing myself yeah you know like I wanted to be 16 so I could be pro once I turned 16 I wanted to be 18 so that I could do certain things that I couldn't do when I was 16 yeah and then when I was 18 I was like shit I can't hire a car I want to be 25 you know like <laughs> yeah. so it's like you feel like you're Always. you're wishing your whole life yeah, away so you can do these things that make life easier and it's just it's funny when you look back and see kind of like what it what yeah. it all was
1: for sure so like obviously you were pretty much a sensation in Australia what why did you go to Europe first and how did you end up there like how did you even so get the there?
0: biggest thing i think about like when i think about australia and like my upbringing I, f- I think a few things contribute to me being able to, you know, be who I am. Um, I was really fortunate to have, um, you know, like my dad and my uncle and uh, Craig Anderson as my older cousin, five years older than me. So I was always, you know, like the little kid, um, you know, and my family, my dad was, a, you know, in, constru- in construction, uh, a concreteer, And then our whole family was basically into like we had diggers, like backhoes, and all these kinds of things. Right. So we, we just had access to the bush, you know, like the wood woods and we would just go make supercross tracks so like literally from eight nine ten years old i was riding supercross track like that my cousin you know because you can back in those days you could race supercross at 12 um so here's my cousin on you know 80s launch and jumps skimming whoops and like i was like that little kid looking up to my big cousin. so here i am on a 60 you know back in those days there was 60s not 65s and you know hitting whoops and learning like learning that technique um and it was so much easier for me to ride supercross because it was this it was a controlled environment you could water it you could do these things where motocross was you know like it took much more bigger space and all these kinds of things so I just rode supercross all the time and so I think that when you look you know at my career motocross was always harder for me because i didn't do it as much as a kid i raced it and whatever but like supercross was always that thing that i did monday through friday um even young age um i was traveling to indonesia at 11 years old you know like i went to indonesia uh 12 times in one year uh, when i was 11 and never once with my parents no Um, way so you know like yeah so jumping on international flights you know I didn't know that the front of the plane had different things than the back of the plane. Yeah. I just always sat up front, you know? Yeah. Like, they would fly you in. I remember I was getting, like, a 1000 U.S. start money at, at 11 years old, yeah. you know? I don't even know what happened to the money. I would imagine my parents got it. But it's so funny. Like, you know, you hear all these things and you're aware of it, but yet it didn't register. Right. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm cashed. I'm winning, you know, winning money. It's just, <laughs> like, it was more the experience. Like, right. I was, you know, 12 That years. stuff
1: will grow you up quick, though. Like, Hell, That's, yeah. like, you know, like, an accelerator. Just too. the
0: experience. I had alone, you know, just the food and the, the culture, um, you know, going to Barley and hanging out. Like, the one thing that they really loved about me was I, was, I could do a lot of the things that the bigger kids could do, um, but the big promoter who was uh, was the uh, was the son of Lucky Strike um, huh. Cigarette Company in Good and yeah. um, So, there was the two families that had uh, Lucky Strike and Good and so that was the series, and the one kid was my age, and basically, um, they would bring me in because... Because we could talk English, and I was teaching the kid English. Oh, okay. So, you like, so it like was a tutor like, and a show. I was like a tutor <laughs> slash, you know, putting on a show at yeah. 11 years old. That's so, awesome. Um, yeah, here I am at 11, you know, getting to... And at that point, like, you really don't, like, you don't understand it. Like, I mean, I think about it now, and I'm thinking, you know, my kid, my eldest just turned 9. yeah. couldn't imagine in a couple of years, you know, packing his bags (laughs) and driving him to the airport. Hey, man, you know, go ride a dirt bike in some third world country kind of thing. That is crazy. Um, You know, just... Like, I was in Barley, and I was, like, at the big resorts and slides and the beach, and it's, like, I never grasped that that was cool. You
1: yeah, know, so I mean, like that would, would just, never happen today. Right? Like and no, you think no about it. And yeah,
0: and obviously the world's changed so different. But just even back then, it wasn't like I was, like, oh, I'm in this amazing, you know, tourist attraction place. Yeah. It was just, like, I'm here to ride my dirt bike. Yeah, whatever. You know? Thanks <laughs> that was it, Yeah. So I think, for me, that, like, that was my core of of who I am, you know? Like, here I am at 37 years old and like I love to pack my bag and, and go on a plane you know yeah. like it's just my thing and it's like everyone's like when are you going to retire you know what do you want it's just like I just have this passion to want to travel to want to race to want to be challenged week in and week out and I think that that's where that you know like was was just in me from that such a young age and then to answer your question on like why did I go to Europe is I always wanted to come to America because I love Supercross so much but I couldn't get anybody to take a take a chance on me. Um, everybody prior to me really had failed, you know, like they'd yeah. all kinda like Who Kim, was the best you? Kim Ashkenazi, Kim Ashkenazi. Oh, okay. came and I think he got maybe like a second or a third, I think he got maybe third in the East Coast Championship yeah. in ninety seven or I something. I only remember like that. seeing his name on yeah, my it was like or uh, Yeah. So there was him, um, you know, Bernard, Lee Hogan. There was a few guys kinda that would come back and forth, but no one really made that that gnarly impression on people yeah. like hey like australia need to find like the, the next hunting right. know, the next french guys yeah. you know um so with not being able to get that that opportunity um basically we had a gp a 500 gp in melbourne and andrew mcfarlane did really well and uh, bernard did really well and and basically those those performances i did well i think i went I want to say i went like 809 in the first race and then uh and then i maybe like 12th to 15th in the next yeah one. but
1: that was a 500 gp and you would have five, been like five, what like 500
0: gp and the or... week the week before because um, you had to be back then you had to be 18 to oh, okay. race a uh, uh, it was in 2000, yeah. So 2000, I turned 18, and it was like two, like a week or two after my birthday. Huh. And so basically, I just turned 18, so I could race the GP. Right. Um, so yeah, here I was on a, I think back then a 426 <laughs> Yamaha, and they they bolt on a 450 Renaldi kit.
1: Oh You just like,
0: you know, you're like, yeah, this thing's badass, <laughs> you know. And then they show up with badass aluminum frames, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, my bike's not that cool anymore. But so like, really, Burner and and uh, and Andrew did so. Well, um, that Andrew obviously, you know, everybody wanted him. He was yeah. the next cool, you know, next thing. And the cow, so Jan de Groot wanted him, but then I think, you know, for whatever reason, Andrew wanted to go to Rinaldi, so then he went to Rinaldi and did the 500 thing. Um, and then de Groot wanted Berner, but then burner had an opportunity to come here with Fro. Oh, okay. um, so then that basically left okay, well, this guy, he's young. <laughs> He did okay. And I, I ended up with the, the degree ride. Yeah. Which was uh, Factory Cowie. Which is Factory Cowie. I took a uh, Pip Byer's ride, maybe and that's why I can't get a husky or KDM <laughs> ride, he hates me. No. Um we always laugh about it. But I think it's really like that and it was just like I remember like back in those days, like he faxed me and you know, a, a, a contract. And I don't even remember reading it. I seen it was, I think it was 80,000 us back then, which at the time my contract was 25,000 Australian dollars. Okay. You so know, you're stepping up. So like that was huge step, you know? So I'm like, dude, like no questions asked. And I think it was like 25,000 Dutch, you know, money for like food. And I'm like, so sweet. I'm yeah. good. I can eat the whole year on that. Who knew, you know, yeah. like no chance. I got a camper and everything like that. So I signed on the dotted line and, and, basically the rest is history but like just Europe in general at 18 years old packing Ellie you know taking Ellie and and things like that like just learned so much you know I think that the basically my whole roadmap to life, um as I know it as an adult, was just was was Europe Europe set the bar. Yeah. You know, like I had to learn so quickly. Ellie and I, you know, you know, it's normal. You're going to battle here and there, but there was no one to complain to. There's exactly. no one to cry to. You, get you know, you, you quickly quick. had to, you know, like she become, you know, who I leaned on and, and vice versa. So, I just think that 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 relationship you build. Um, with, with people and you, and you respect it more. And then, yeah. you know, I had to work with Jan and the mechanics and you, you just learn to embrace it more. I, th- I feel like than what you do here, because the pace is so quickly, yeah. you know, now you're shipped off to Florida and you're, you're under this, you know, this program that somebody's basically telling you, Hey, yeah. sign for this team. And then now we're going to ship you off over here. And we're in California. And it just, it didn't act ha- like, it doesn't have that, like, it's that more of a f- I
1: always tell people it's more of like a family, um, Hey, we're gonna pack the pack the trailer, and we're all gonna go race yeah. together this weekend. And that's how you did it, you know. Like, yeah,
0: you would literally travel with the team. And, yeah, yeah, And uh, we drove our own motorhome, but for a lot of the international races, like we would just jump on the in the cab, you know, because right. they're not like our semis, where where our semis are basically just haulers. You know, their semis are are, are motorhomes, basically. Yeah. You know? So you all just, the
1: mechanics always. Yeah, stayed yeah. In yeah. Ours. So
0: you just jump in those things and, and off you go, and yeah. and you just so you you bond with them, you right. know, and it's it's just a it's a very different. Thing And I felt like that's where I learned just to be different and, and to embrace who you were and and even like getting, you know, like if the bike wasn't working or something wasn't working, you, you had to learn how to communicate that right. and to get what you needed out of it, you know, to,
1: a f- to almost to a, like a friend. A type of person more than like a, hey, Mr. Suspension guy, yeah, fix this for me. Right? It's more like hey, dude, you know, like can we work on this? Or I, I feel like I still have uh, some traits of uh, some personality traits from my time in Europe where I, I, I just kind of present things differently or see things differently, and and I, I appreciate that like daily because I see other people that make. Almost mistakes in, mm-hmm. in that sense, where you know they're too brash or they're too business, and, and uh, it kind of bums me out. Like yeah. I, I wish that they could experience the same things I did. You know, yeah. yeah. So and many people you- say to me like, "I would," you know, "I bet you wish you never had to go there," or something. And I'm like, "No, like." it's that, it's quite the opposite I, w- I wish everyone could go there like do you feel i like really
0: that? think you know and, and like you look at like you look at yourself you know and i think it's proven and you look at tom you know and i think that tom he really wasn't ready you know like he kind of found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time right with, you know with the amateur system with mitch's team and all that and you look at like where he started when he first went to europe to basically you know hole shotting leading and winning motos and then you see him now and and, and the conversation that you can have and hold with him right. is so different than like somebody his age, you know, and I don't mean it in a negative way. It's just but how it it, it's different. And yeah. I don't know how to put it into words, but like there's there's a sense of, you know, the lights are on and you, you can look him in the eye and have a, a real conversation about life yeah. and feel that it, it's a it's, a, it's a mutual it. yeah, it's a mutual understanding of what he went through and how he went through it and things like that. So yeah, I I I, I would love to see you know, all of us race. Like I love MotoGP, like G P Like my number one thing is MotoGP. So like, if if I could pack a passport and race all over the U.S. plus race all over the world, like that would be my ideal oh, job. I'm,
1: I'm in on that. You know? I mean, like, I, I love, love it. <laughs> I love international travel. I, I, that's one thing I miss is is the the differentiations in the travel uh, that you do in Europe. You know, it, here you just get on the plane, go to Atlanta, go wherever you're going, yeah. and then you're done. You know, yeah. and, and in Europe it was always like where am i where am i really going right now you know you like you fly to moscow and you have no clue what the heck you're doing like it's just just different it's kind of refreshing every now and then fly racing usa dudes i love a boa system okay if it were up to me everything would be boa no more shoelaces no more snaps just boa boa everything so when fly told me they were putting the boa system on some of their pants totally stoked um I love everything I have from Fly, and one thing that people probably don't know is they make some pretty sick mountain bike stuff, so when I'm out on my Levo crushing it, I love to wear Fly. Check them out, flyracing.com.
0: No, it really is, and and even now, like... Even when you know, you, and like you know, like you've been there and you've done it, you know, like you did multiple years there. I only did the one, um, but even when I go back and I visit, it's like even though I've been there a few times and you know the system and the program, there's always there's always a curveball somehow. You yeah, know? like there's sure. always something that's different, and I think it, yeah, it just keeps it keeps it fresh and. I love it here. I mean, obviously, I've embraced. You know, like I'm I'm as American as it can get, other yeah. than not being born there. You know, right. like I I fully embrace um, the fact that I hold two passports. Um, I always look at it that. You know, as a child, I was an Australian, and in my adult life, that I know it, I'm an American. You right. know, like that's that's how it's been. I am. Um, I always thought, and then people, and Australians in particular, get really bummed on hearing that. But I think that when you come here. Like, you can't come and go, oh, you know, I hate the traffic in California, and oh, I hate the food here, and oh, Americans do this, and I just fully embraced it and just was like you know what that that's where i want to be yeah in life and that's, that's kind of how i was with race. europe and i just fully embraced it and I and I, and I and I honestly and i love the people i love the the way of life um it's it's what i know as an adult you know when i go home i actually have more frustrations at going home to australia because the pace is so slow <laughs> and it takes you so long to you know to be able to just sit still and kind of yeah. be a little bit more cruisy like yeah man it's all good what's up <laughs> mate you know <laughs> whatever <laughs> which i I love that but it takes time to to really let that body you know take it in and get the get your aussie yeah. Aussiness back, <laughs> back again
1: yeah. we went to britain uh for the nations a couple of years ago and and like i realized it was rather slow paced and like um inconvenient if you will like so just you know just like food for lunch or whatever you know we we take all that for granted and and not even for granted sometimes i feel like that's not how it should be um you know it's just it's a different way of life but when i went back to britain i was like man it is so slow here like i can't even function mm-hmm. <laughs> it's crazy yeah.
0: no, that's how i feel in aussie a little bit so yeah i just think that yeah like when you look at like who i was as a kid and then who i became as an adult. Um, the biggest thing is, is always just like the, the goal was always to race and and to be involved in, in what I loved. Um, and so for me, it was always about embracing that and, and giving yourself the, like the best opportunity to still do it, you know? And I think that like the scary thing for me at this point in my life and career is like, everyone's always like, Oh, how long, how long, how long? And it's like a lot of people want the ability to be able to go sell that, hey, this is the last one, Yeah, you know, Feld want an answer and they want to be like, okay, is this your, you know, is this your going away tour? And I'm like, I don't know that answer. Like, I really don't. And I think that even when I'm having, you know, in my own house behind closed doors with Ellie and it's like, I don't, I don't know, you know? Like, I always think that as long as I wake up in the morning, I think, man, I think I can be better here and here, and I can work harder, and I can do this, and, you know, like that passion to do it, um, why not keep doing it? Because yeah. I do not think that at at 37, next year I'll be 38, you don't get to go, oh, yeah, take a year off and then realize yeah. how much you really love it. Yeah. You don't get to come back, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, when it's
1: done, it's done. Like, so, historically, you seem like, to me, the more, the, the K-dub type of guy where it's like, nope, today's the day I'm done, like, more so than, all right, this is my final year. Like, I'm going to do one last season and, you know, put everything into it. It's You're putting everything into it all the time. All the so, time. yeah. So, you know, to me, you would almost go out more like that. Like, uh, all right, today, you know what, I'm not racing anymore. Like, well, you just, like, I
0: feel like, like for outdoors, you know, like, like I got to a point where I was just like, you know what, outdoors, like, I don't have that burning desire to just want to, like grind it out monday through thursday i just and and i lost that and that went away and when that went away and the flame went out and i didn't enjoy it you know like i think maybe a year i was kind of like you're kind of fighting it and i'm like no like i don't enjoy it like that's not who make that doesn't make me a better writer That doesn't make me a better person you know just grinding it out because you know that the norm is to race motocross and supercross so then that was always my opinion was just like you know what i don't have the passion for that anymore so i don't want to do it where supercross it's like it's still there it's still i still love it um and i just want to yeah like you want to keep going and i feel like i've kind of like i'm way past that point of like oh he's tarnishing his career you know like some of the negatives i see it's like oh you know like he's not getting the results that he once was and it's like you know what like i'm actually getting to a point where i feel like i finally appreciate it i finally am embracing who i was in my prime yeah um so like i don't feel that that makes me weaker or or like gives me anything else it just gives me i think a, a reality of like dude you know what like i stood on the podium more than anybody in the history of the sport yeah i've raced more races than anybody in the, in the history of the sport and I'm really only six races away from being second on all-time win list. Yeah. So it's like you look at the facts, and, and those things, like, they excite me. Like, I feel like I'm at a point where I finally... You're you're letting go of the what ifs and the mistakes you made, and you're just you're embracing each and every week as as if it's the last. And I feel like that that's given me more motivation. It's given me more passion. It's given me more drive. And and I think that that and it makes me happy. And I think that people need to. I wish that there was a way to explain that, but it's you can't. You know, like people just they don't get it. You know, like I went to dinner with R C last night, and it's like. You know, like he asked me and I see him, he looks at me and he's like, dude, like how much longer? (laughs) And he just has no, like he doesn't have a concept of why I would want to be continuing to do it because clearly he lost that burning desire to want to do it, you know? And so I respect that he knew that and felt it and stepped away. Um, Do I think he stepped away too early? Of course I do, but... If the flame's gone, you gotta step away, you know. Yeah. And I think for him, he doesn't. He's the opposite of me. Like I don't understand how he did it. Just like I think about, you know, how much racing we did. And I haven't raced him in fourteen years. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's crazy, it's gnarly. That's like a, really, like a I'm lot. like wow, and and here he is, fourteen years later, and and he's you know kind of just doing what he does now. But it's like here I am still out there racing, and you'd think at some point he has to look at that and go, like, I could have done I, like five more years, I, or something. you know one more year, two more years, five more years. Yeah. Like I mean, that dude just knew how to get it done, and you know, so I like there's not a part of me that don't, doesn't think that it, he wouldn't have been
1: competitive. But you still have passion i mean I, th- I think that in all things passion is you know over over anything you can see and like feel people's passion and i, I feel like you still have that yeah and for, for
0: racing and i i like one person obviously valentino He's probably the easiest guy to relate to for me you know he's 40 years old He's currently second in the MotoGP World Championship, you know, being on the podium in the first, you know, twice. Just a bad dude. And it's like, I watched a press conference with him a couple of weeks ago, and he made a comment, and it just made so much sense. And he's like, someone asked, like, how much longer, you know, like, what's your, you know, at 40, what's different? And he said, I think his answer was more like, basically, like, I've moved on from being afraid of the trophies that i have in my house and not living up to that you know like i'm a nine-time world champion and for the last nine years i haven't been a champion and from the in the prior what 16 seasons before that he was champion more times than not yeah and there's that adjustment of like you you feel less of yourself you feel like like last year was so hard for me like the whole year i just felt like i had nothing to give but the passion was still there and the understanding of why i wasn't achieving but you always felt like you were having to justify why you sucked yeah. and why you weren't getting I get the, the result that you that you feel you deserve or you, that you you should be. Yeah, and, and and I think that when I heard him say that, like it just it made a lot of sense to me. You know, like he's moved on. It's like okay, I'm a nine time world champ, and it's more like what I said. It's like he's embracing the fact that. I was, and I could sit at home, and I could be like, you know what, those trophies, there ain't no one better than me yeah. in that area. But it's not about that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I could do that, but it's, yeah, that, it's that's
1: something you said a minute ago that living
0: kind of, is going and doing. You know, oh yeah, for I think sure, without a doubt. Yeah. But
1: that's something you said a minute ago that, that blew my mind was that you're over trying to live up to what you were, or that you you're kind of realizing how badass you have been or whatever but you're i mean you're still badass you know but at the same time i feel like some i mean i'm guilty of it and that's not enjoying the highs enough like you know like last weekend my first super 450 supercross podium um, pretty big deal for my career and it was the first time that i've ever really been on a podium other than when i won my outdoor title where i was like all right i want to really like Suck this moment in, like, and really embrace it, you know. And and I think that when you said that a minute ago, it just kind of like I was like, "Holy crap!" That's you know, you look at really the people good. who win and the people that stand on the 450
0: podium. I mean, it's the highest level of our sport. Yeah. And you gotta you gotta embrace that, you know. And I what I have 133, I think, podiums, and of those 133, the ones that weren't wins. I just remember being so mad, and mad for a whole week until you went racing again. Yeah. And you just, like, at you know, you it, the light bulbs go off, and you're like, what an idiot, yeah. you know? Like, here I was, you know, like, I now I feel more proud that... When I did lose, or if I was a second or I was a third, you know, I, it was typically Ricky, it was James, it was
1: RV or Dungie. Yeah. You know, I had that written those, down. Those four guys. I mean, not only all those four done, guys, but you've raced Jeremy, <laughs> uh, RV, Stu, Dunge, yeah. now Elon, you know, and then you the know, current guys I mean, that we
0: race. I, I mean, all the modern era
1: but, greats, you've raced them and <clears throat> beat all of them, I mean, at some point. And
0: I think that you finally are like, you know what, like, when I lost, I lost lost to some of the best dudes and actually the best dudes to ever throw a leg over a bike, you yeah. know. So you, you start to just like I feel like the the understanding and maybe the appreciation of who you were and the area you got to live. Yeah. Um, and that's what I love about it now, you know, it's like you know, like it, it's different. I don't look at the current group the same as what I did in my era. And that's not that I think less of them. It's just it, it, you know, they're kids. Yeah. Now, you know, like they feel you know, they feel younger and they just feel different um but man they can ride dirt bikes fast and and i'm always trying to adjust and find like what they do you know like what you what you guys do and how you do it and how you get it done i'm not young don't put me in that and it's (laughs) and it's like you there's just little things that you pick up and i think that that's what keeps you going at this at this
1: level you know yeah for sure i mean progression is is the name of the game um so you went to europe you won one gp I won one GP, yeah, Which one GP. Lear I was on a up, right? the podium, punch up, yeah. So <laughs> of a all the one. GPs that you could have won, like. And I think the best thing about it was,
0: like, obviously I was riding on a Dutch team. I was living in Belgium, so you know, I I had to ride in sand all yeah. the time. I was I you know I considered myself a pretty good sand rider in Australia growing up. You know, like I won a lot of Aussie races in the sand. Right. Um, I regularly rode in it. I went there, and I remember—I'll never forget it. I went to Lommel. It was one of the first times we were riding, and and Stefan and Joel were there, and I was—Smets, yeah. And so Joel and Stefan. Were, we're like really were like 10 to 12 seconds faster than me <laughs> and i just remember being like how's that possible you know no like you're stopping. and i'm just broken. like dude i'm not that far off you know like and i was just getting smoked dude if I, and had- I felt fast <laughs> like yeah, i actually I you felt were good
1: like i was like oh i'm shredding i've been there days know? where i've felt the same like shredding and just like you know now i'm i'm like getting the hang of this and like some dude on a random no numbers white helmet white helmet roll off <laughs> Just yeah. it just cruises past me. I'm like, how is this possible? Like, I I do not suck this bad. But it just so, exactly. The same. So
0: to go from like
1: that that
0: moment, and you you like. You almost looked at the team and they were kind of like, hmm, this mm-hmm. kid's not that good. Not, you know, kind of like you got that feeling. And here I am thinking I'm ripping. <laughs> and then, uh, anyway, to go from, like, beginning of the season, preseason, and being that far off to being able to basically grind it out over the next nine months and be able to go to Lommel, Honda Park. Um, I don't know if you ever went out to Dunkirk.
1: Yeah, Dunkirk. I spent Dude, a lot of cold how many days in Dunkirk. How brutal was
0: that place?
1: It's like, unreal.
0: You can't uh, There's no one in this paddock that would would understand
1: that. no we like, we were um, where i lived in england we were about an hour to the ferry yeah. and then an hour across and it was right there on the other side yeah, so we yeah. could, that was one of the closest places we could ride actually from england yeah and we've been uh, a.
0: <laughs> I spent a lot of time there too and it was basically just because i got beat so gnarly bad that first day that i'm like you know what i'm gonna become a good sand rider dude and i just went and spent days and so the third or second gp of the year was valkenswag and it's like okay we've got a sand race coming up yeah it was yeah it was the second race. We raced in uh, Belpuque in Spain. Okay. Loved the track. Sick track. I crashed in the first turn, came back to, like, I don't know, somewhere in the top 10, like, an eighth maybe. And then, uh, anyway, so you got a weekend off, and then you go race in, in Volkenswag. So I'm like, all right, you know, I'm going to just, we're going sand riding. Yeah. Went to Dunkirk, and it was like everybody was there, you know, like uh, Pichon, all those guys. Yeah. And I just rode and rode and rode and showed up to Volkenswag and was just, dude, I had nothing. Like, just was so... <laughs> (laughs) flat and smoked and i sucked i crashed like eight times i got like 16th and then we jumped on plane and went to australia and dude my dad chewed me out you suck this and this and i'm just like all right you know (laughs) like learn my lesson fast (laughs) just like you can't do that you know so anyway to come back nine months later and race one of the gnarliest races in lyra did you ever race yeah i did and uh it, was, it Lyric was hard because it had a it had a bit of everything, you know. Like, it had sections where they would dig into the ground, and it was real technical, so it suited me. Um, they had sections that were really fast. Like, when you come on the start and do that one table, and then you yeah. go into the woods, it's really fast. I always struggle when it's fast. Like, I just don't enjoy going wide I'm open and with bike moving around and just being su- super sketch. And then when you're in the trees, everything was real just like that, you know, just um, real rolly, real technical. Right, proper Dutch sand. And i just remember i was on pichon and uh and i was just like kind of just push 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 and you know and then McCall started like he started moving around going outside inside being super crafty as he always is yeah. and uh i'm trying to think of the guy though there was an he was he was an older guy um you have to know him. Racer? Because uh, he was a racer at the time on, in a 500 class. And uh, he owns, um, I want to say he has a lot to do with the uh, Twin Air. Um, oh, Johan Boonin. Johan Boonen. Boon. Okay. Okay. So DT1. Yo- yes, DT1. But, yes. My bad, sorry. Um, Filch Company. Yeah. But so Johan Boonin, I spent a lot of time with him because I lived across the street. All I right. was at Johan, uh, because I lived at Johan Sporen's um, apartment. Okay, okay. So it was right across the street from. Uh, stopping and from go? Yeah. He didn't have that at yeah, the time? I think it was, it when i left okay. and it, was, it became that um, so anyway we would ride all together all the time and he always said he said no matter how rough it is and it just always stuck in my head he says no, no matter how rough it is the inside in the sand is always faster just 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 crush it just yeah. inside 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 and i so i start seeing Pichon move around and just it just started playing over <laughs> in my head inside 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 and it was fucking rough you know like just so rough and i'm just like inside 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 and i'm just (laughs) like you know how rough it is it's like gnarly so i just start like eating him up and you know got on him passed him right away and then within like two laps kind of put a decent gap on him and he kind of just threw the towel in a little bit you know like he kind of just like i gapped in that much and i I was like kind of like i was pretty max because like you're inside inside and working it yeah and all i could think of and then it started raining took my goggles off and anyway um. long story short it was just like it's funny that like nine months later I won the gnarly that's, sand race that says year, a lot you know? about and I just grinded it out yeah, it was fun
1: that, I mean that says a lot about not only your character but just your skill level in general that's, that's insane to win to not be from Belgium or Holland or France in the right spot right. and win a sand GP is insane I yeah. mean I think my best result uh the the heat race uh the last year i raced there in 2012 in leer up i got third Mm -hmm. uh coldenhoff was first yeah and jeffrey was or no jeffrey won coldenhoff was second yeah but jeffrey fell in the first turn and passed us both on the last last lap lap. but i was seriously like i was so pumped with a third place in the heat race and i think i went five six in the motos and i was like that that was a pretty good day yeah no that's a solid And, and i think he actually jeffrey actually lapped us that day and i was still like you know, it's a, it's okay. Like, and, then, and I feel like those days, there was now it now it seems more American
0: in the in the way that like when I watch on TV, all the races they're they're just becoming that typical over overwatered kind of tracks. Yeah back then it was like you know you had your you know federici's and and all these kind of italian guys so you had these italian guys. guys that were just insanely fast in in uh italy yeah. and france when it, and they hard. were rock hard yeah and then we would go to you know like uh basically you know belgium or or, or holland and it would be sand and then you'd have your you know Specialist. pichon obviously was good everywhere right but you had these guys that you had to contend with um on different on occasions yeah i understand and uh yeah it was it, that, it was fun you know like now, it just seems a little bit more like I mean, you don't change front tire or rear tire other than Southwick when you're on a paddle in the rear. Literally, you don't even like I don't even come in and think about tires. Yeah, I don't either. You know what Same. I mean? Like, where back in those days it was like just so much more detail to it on like, like your oh, the rear tire is just like it's blue groove and it's not getting nothing. So then you got to go to like they start like cutting. Yeah, it or even just, in
1: my GP day, we we still had like a, a couple <coughs> different rear tire selections where it would be like uh, soft, mid soft, mid hard hard. Yeah. Like yeah. in the scoop tire and all that, and all that, you know, that's a different element. In the, in the end, it was getting closer and closer to, um, you know, kind of a cookie cutter tire, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, it's funny, it's different for sure. So, you did one year, and that was 01, right? 01, yeah, 01, one year in Europe, and then pieced out, and then, uh, obviously come to America, and Uh, Straight in the deep end Yamaha Troy One 250 east coast The first year Yeah So so I did my YOT
0: deal Um, Bob Moore was doing uh, He was working for Fred Bramlett With uh, I think it was OMS It was called back then Um, And yeah Basically I got this Random call Um from Bob Moore, and obviously I knew of Bob Moore, um, and then he told me as an agent, and he'd like to have me, and, and you know, he could get me a ride with, with the Yamaha Troy. And then right then and there, it's like, you would already made your mind up. Yeah. You know. I'm going. And then um, I told Jan, and, uh, and Jan's like, ah, oh, we really want you to stay, I think you can be world champ. And, like, it just wasn't registering. Like, he was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, no, I'm going, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm going supercross. <laughs> and I said, the one thing I said to him, I said, look, I said, I said, if you could... I'll sign a three-year Kawasaki deal where you give me... I'll stay one more year. I said, but then you guarantee me, you know, like, two years or one more year in, you know, moving to the 252-stroke in... in In, uh... Kawasaki in uh, USA. Yeah. And... You know, obviously, Kawasaki probably at that point just couldn't make that, you know, commitment, commitment or, or whatever it was. And I talked to Mitch about it, and Mitch, it never really got relayed. I think he just wanted me so badly to stay in Europe that he didn't. I don't think he worked hard enough. Care. Yeah, I didn't care, because um, Mitch was super bummed that he didn't get me. You know, like right. like he's like. Because basically he's like hey i want that kid and and kawasaki or jan's like no he's staying you know wants to be world champ and wasn't the case like right. i just wanted to come here yeah so anyway i come here and i raced some west coast races on a on 252 stroke did quite well um and then yeah like came out and won uh won six of seven you know east coast races the first six yeah um and then got a second to jessamine in uh, pontiac i believe um and then won a title and yeah so like but I, it was a that was a real. It was a huge step to go. Yeah, to that had America. to be another
1: rapid learning curve, like, like from GP. So
0: rapid, but and I was good at Supercross, so the, the whole Supercross thing was so easy for me. I actually had more trouble adapting to Motocross than I did Supercross. Yeah, like I had learned the the European way, you know, like the the like i I feel like their outdoor bikes are so different they're they're real outdoor bikes, so the suspension settings and all these things felt felt more normal to me coming from Australia. Mm. Um, when I came here and it came time going motocross, like I was like, What is this bike like it doesn't work' like this is not a motocross bike you know like it's terrible um and i really i had a hard time adapting to the american way of how we race motocross and how stiff our suspension is and the lack of you know feel that you have um and then also i really struggled on a small bike like at no point in my career had i raced small bikes you know like i raced um 125s as a as an amateur and then as soon as i went pro i went straight to the 252 stroke so i had had never raced a, a lights bike in as a professional, yeah. so America was the first time already, That's and crazy. I was like four, you know, four years into my pro career. That's so yeah, kind of that was a challenge for me, and a lot of people kind of didn't didn't understand that i was always pretty vocal on like i want to move up i want to move up yeah um i mean and people to go, kind of beat me up on it a little bit like you know because like like oh, you can't even beat james why would you want to move yeah. up kind of thing and i'm like well i'm not comfortable down here in this class kind of thing so yeah. it was it was a tough transition yeah
1: that's so what i was going to say you didn't even race a 250 or a, a light supercross beforehand before you raced a 250 supercross yeah, right Yeah, correct yeah you raced straight out of the big class at Just a1 straight one that's yeah. pretty baller yeah um so obviously you came to America the I don't know why this is but there's one thing from your entire career that sticks out to me more that like as far as interview wise goes I was watching I think it was the original great outdoors I'm not sure what movie it was but it's from 02 you and Stuart going at it I think Justin was pretty good outdoors that year and um they're interviewing you and you say um it didn't really show the question but your answer was I'm here but I'm far from making it and like Mm you know 20, almost 20 years later, like, did, did you make it?
0: Yeah, like, for me, it was always, like, uh, I worked with Jeff Spencer a lot when I first moved to the U.S., and, and one thing that he always said is, as an athlete, you never arrive. Yeah. You know, you're always, you know, the day you arrive, the day it's over, you know, like, and I feel 20 years later, like, that still rings bright and strong for me, because it's like... I look at my season and and it's like I got a podium, which was good, you know, but it's like you're always getting that consolation prize of like, oh, you're doing well for your age and right. all these kinds of things. Yeah. And I look at it and I'm like, there's so many things and aspects of the season and my riding and my everything that you think you can still be better at. And I think that that's, you just never arrive. You're always working. You're always trying to achieve more
1: than than what the average thinks. For sure. you know. So I guess a better question would be like, uh, an 18-year-old Chad Reed that leaves Australia looks at... Or 39-year-old Chad Reed, you know, is, is that 18-year-old a happy camper? I Yeah, I think so. Yeah. You know, like, I, mean, I, I would hope so, for you sure. You know, like, I look back and,
0: and the things I did, and, and I what I love about, like, my journey is being, like, all the mistakes and everything that I did, right and wrong, like, I generally made those decisions, you know? Like, I, I never... Like you were at the
1: helm, you didn't have someone else make it. Like I didn't
0: have a trainer or or an agent. That was that. Powerful, or that I let be that powerful that made all the decisions. Right. Like, hey, this is how we're going to do it. And then they give you the playbook. I was always wanting to do it my way. And what felt right to me, right or wrong, I felt like I made that decision and I embraced it. And when you made the decision and, and, it, and it was the wrong decision three months in or five months in, whatever it is, like I always felt like it was easier to like maybe swallow the fact that you made a bad decision oh, because it was on me and right. i'm like okay i won't do that again yeah you know kind of thing and i just feel that i see the paddock and and the riders and certain people who they're influenced by and they're in it and it's all the agent or it's all the 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 trainer and it's like i see that too often and i don't feel like like the athlete sometimes needs to be the the one in control right yeah you
1: know? but I, I mean i always feel like in any situation, whether it's money or, I mean, just anything, if, if you make the decision it's easier to swallow, you know, a mistake is easier to swallow than if somebody else does it on your behalf and then you're like, oh, you know, what the heck?
0: <laughs> always. It is for sure. And so that's, yeah, I've always been happy about like those decisions and like that was life that was living and learning. Right. And, you know, and it's like you think about like I, you have a bit of a laugh about certain things of like where you spent money and it's like back in the day, it's like we were making so much money. You know, flying private, spending ridiculous amounts of money on private jets and all these kinds of things. And it's like, you know what? Like, there's no guarantee for tomorrow. Right. And, you know, it's like, okay, you got 30 million in the bank, but does it really matter if tomorrow doesn't come? Exactly. And so I think that it's funny that. We, we still live by this like, you gotta you know you gotta do a certain thing and I I look back and I go you know what I had a damn good time you know <laughs> and I did what I wanted and for sure and it's
1: yeah no it's cool. Is there uh, any one thing that you would change or like one big thing that you wish you would have done or <clears throat> done differently or changed? The biggest thing I would love to have do different would be,
0: I think. You always, you know, you always, It's always easy to say after the fact, but like when we started going from steel frame to aluminum frame, that transition was really, really hard. Um, and then I think also going two-stroke to four-stroke, for some reason, was harder on me than, I think, James and Ricky.
1: Well, that's probably because you were rode a 252-stroke for 10 years or whatever. So
0: long, and, and I think that, like, for whatever reason, and I don't believe that Yamaha had the best bike at that time. I think Yamaha came in with the bike, and then everybody, it was always the benchmark, and people... I think that they came in, Honda came in with a unicam and all these things, and they basically packaged this thing all nice and small and light, mm. you know, where our bike was this big old tank and, you know. just It was a beast. It was a beast, you know, still. So I think that when you look back, it would have been nice to know what you know now. Yeah. To be able to make
1: that transition like easier yeah that's actually one thing i was going to ask you about was the two stroke to four stroke thing but uh you obviously answered that i mean what about like as far as career decisions or anything like that career decisions i don't know that um
0: i don't know that i would change anything you know like a lot of the things i did you know like i spent a lot of money on a trainer and he was awesome and then i fired him a year and a half into it and but like what I learned from him and the certain things that I took from him are still things I put into my life today. And maybe I don't, you know, maybe 80% of it I don't agree with, but the 20% still contributes in some way. Yeah. So I, I don't know that I really have one particular thing that stands out that says like that was dumb or that wasn't great or, you know, like you just, yeah, like. You look at the championships that I lost, and, you know, I think I lost four championships by by within four points. So it's like you could easily go from a a two-time Supergirls champ to a six-time Supergirls champ pretty quickly. Yeah. And so you look at, like, where did you lose two points here, one point here? You know, my rookie year, I had two six places. And other than that, I was on the podium at every race, won more races than Ricky. But those two six places were both on weekends that I was so much faster than Ricky. But I was so good and so fast that I, I didn't know how to, like, harness it. And right. I just kept wanting more. You know, like, I kept pushing and pushing and pushing until I crashed. But that's just being young And that's just them. young and yeah. dumb. And I just think that, like, there's those little things. And I don't know that I would – there's nothing that jumps out and goes, yeah. oh, I, You know, like, surely I wish – I would like to be a – Three-time Supercross champ, rather than a two or a four-time <laughs> Supercross champ than a two, but it's like those are life lessons as yeah. well. You know, I
1: often feel like uh, I have this little theory that, like you know, each lesson or each, no matter what the decision is, it's it's the one that you're supposed to make, and it's setting you up for the next decision, which you know sets you up for the next decision, whatever.
0: Yeah, and I think if you if you know say. Four of those championships within four points, five points, or I think seven actually, uh, say they sway my way, you know, as a six time champ do am i still here today yeah you know like am i I really living the life that that i am am loving living right now yeah um so i just i just don't know that you can there's a reason why you can't go back right um because i just don't think that it's it's the correct thing to do i think that you just learn and embrace it and 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 don't make that same decision again
1: uh one thing you've been like rather vocal about is just the tracks and and you know mainly the whoops and um stuff in general do you feel that that's more because of the bikes are just i think that like
0: when i look at you know like when i look at the the early years of supercross the 90s the 2000 early 2000s um tracks were different you know like they were built different like i You know, like, I think, like everybody, I have an opinion on what I see and what I feel. And I think that, you know, the the odd time that you're hurt, you see it. And then, you know, being able to live it and and witness it from a racing standpoint. Like, I just think that there's things, like, we're we're making it, like, faster. You know, like, I, I believe... That the bikes are so good that we need to manipulate and change the racetrack or the conception of how we how do we you know make these racetracks a little different. Right. I would like to see them a little bit slower, um, more technical, and that doesn't mean that I want to see huge jumps where people are dying and you know crashing and whatever, or or even whoops that are gigantic and they're because our bikes are so different now that they don't always handle those things the same as what they used to either. Um, And I would just like to see like you know. Like, for one change that I would like is we always, I always, our first turns are so fast now. You know, like, they they always take the first jump out of, you know, out of the turn. And their, their idea is always, like, they want to get everybody through the first turn, you know, with the best opportunity. Right. And when I raced in the earlier times, I always felt like... You had to get there first, and if you got there first... It was a big advantage. It was a big advantage, and then it wasn't a demolition derby in turn two and three, and you're witnessing this probably now... But our class is becoming so you know so aggressive and 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 the start is so important that I feel like now we all get through there too cleanly and it's just this demolition derby. Yeah, the, if I watched a the right video. Hander, I think I don't know what I have seen. I watched a helmet cam, or maybe Dino had a helmet cam and you were in front and like literally you oh had yeah. the thing wide just open play. and I was just laughing and I'm like that's but that's what our sport like our class is like that right now. Yeah, it's if there's so a right-handed 180 after and it's like it's start, like you're it's racing for every inch of the racetrack oh, yeah. and. I I feel like we're all getting there too quickly, and we're all getting through fast. So, I would little things like that. I would just like to see a, a bit of a separation where, you know, man and machine is, you know, like the it's that's still the the quality that you need to be yeah. able to do, and you need to be able to ex- execute the best start to get there first to give you the opportunity to get out front. You know?
1: Do you feel like you'll? Do you ever see yourself in like a not a not an ambassador role, but like um like a representative for the riders if you will or whatever that, that to, to make those kind of hard changes because like i unfortunately i've
0: lost faith that 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 we can make a change like i really have lost that faith um, early on like so many different times throughout my career i've seen Ricky James myself Kevin you know trying to make a difference and i just no matter which way done it and who did it and how they did it it just, it never got traction. Yeah. Um, and so that, my, when I think of who I would like to be, like, in a crazy way, like, Roger's the guy. Yeah. Like, R- Roger single-handedly can make a difference because he, he is who he is and he has, obviously, all the things and the credentials. But, like, making a performance different for a manufacturer and a team and whatever i i like that's the position that i like want to be you know yeah. like jumping on a plane every weekend and contributing to a race team um and the people and the riders and like a and the mechanics role. and all those kinds of things like that to me like i don't know if you've ever been on roger's team but roger as a team manager is the most horrendous team manager ever in the history of the sport <laughs> he's terrible you know but as a as a guy that works on your motorcycle and when you give him information on hey we're struggling here here and here that guy can go into the back of the race shop and go to work and and help you and give you tools to be better, um, and I think that that's what Ryan and 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 Ian's position is better at being more the manager. Yeah, you know, um, at least that's my opinion and how it was when I was there. But as a guy, you know, he's the guy that's in the back spinning the wheel and making it truer and you know adjusting it and yeah. doing all these things. He's Quite the brain, really dude. And I just think he's badass. I love it. And that that's you know ultimately. If I could go to a manufacturer and, and have that ability to, you know, to really take a, a you know, a team or, or a manufacturer to that next level, yeah. um, that I have that passion. Yeah. yeah, more more so than the... More than, a, like, I don't want to be a team manager. I have zero desire to be a team manager. Um, I would love to somehow impact, you know, have an, a positive impact on the sport um, from, like, rider safety and tracks and all those things. But, unfortunately, I've lost confidence that that can really happen
1: yeah skosh accessories for life listen guys their slogan sums it up they are accessories for your life i use the magic mount vent clip every day boom bottle all the time go back when we're traveling whatever it may be the functionality and durability of these products is second to none that's why myself and rockstar and j husqvarna factory racing choose skosh accessories for life check them out at skosh dot com. So yeah, I mean, obviously you're you're getting on later into your career. You've had um, an insanely successful career, uh, one one that you would definitely write home about. I mean, it's it's unreal. You sold your place in Florida or selling it and moved to North Carolina. Like, why this? Why do that this late? It it's,
0: it's kind of like it. Just, it's I think it just fits my lifestyle right now. Yeah. You know, like I. Um, so nothing. Nothing other than moto has ever really given me that feeling that you get from riding a motorcycle. Um, and and driving a rally car is, is has been the only thing that's remotely given me that feeling. Um, so, you know, the whole idea of moving to Charlotte, you know, yes, the JGR thing makes sense, but, you know, obviously there's a lot of... It's a very racing-oriented, you know, place, and my, my next thing, if I don't become... Or I don't have an opportunity to be a roger per se, um, then my goal would be to continue racing and go try, try to find a, uh, a rally car drive, um, and I, you know, we're working on that right now. But so yeah, that's that's it. You know, like it, I, I I've enjoyed the change. Florida just became. It just become a little bit blah to me, you yeah, know. I like it's 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 ninety degrees, 24/7, 365 <laughs> days a year, and 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 a lot of people were like, ah, oh, you know, like it's gonna be brutal in the winter, and I don't know. I just like I enjoy I enjoyed the change actually, yeah, and putting like, a jacket on for putting a, while. a jacket on and wearing a vest to go ride moto and your hands freezing and like as horrible as
1: all that sounds,
0: that there was something There's something new fun and new about it. Yeah, you know.
1: I get it. I, I get, get it. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite? Te- Team you've ever been on favorite group of guys you've ever been around like i would say that uh yeah the current ktm
0: team that was suzuki in 2009 um working with mike gossler Raj, ian um and then that group of guys like how they went racing and 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 what the how they implemented everything and the, the information that i was able to communicate with with goose and 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 ian and roger um and, and seeing how valuable when you put it into words and then they were able to take it and give it back to you in something that you just like tangible, you know, you, you make steps. Yeah. Um, that was like the first time, like I felt like my Yamaha career, I was young and dumb. I was fast when I was fast and I was off when I was off. Um, where when I went to Suzuki, it was like, I, I had this whole new perspective of like what a team was really about. Um, and then, I would say that that was it, you know. Like I just I loved it, and it really wasn't. I mean, the bike was great. Um, I loved that bike, but it was more just that feeling of of working. And you know, you knew, knew roger was a tough crowd. You know, like when you were winning, he was the first guy there, and when you didn't win, he was nowhere to be seen. Yeah. And and I and I was okay with that because I grew up. I felt like in that little bit of you know like that error of where people were pretty brutal and you're either Straight first or last. <laughs> yeah. um, and I had enough people around me to you know, help hold you up. I didn't need Raj. But I but I liked that about him too. You know, like I, I it, it motivated me to wanna see him be that guy that high fived me because I knew that it made him proud and like I wanted to I wanted that from him. Yeah, like of thing, an attaboy
1: know. from him. Yeah. Like a it oh yeah was a big the, deal. The attaboy.
0: Totally, totally. So I just yeah I really that was that's probably been my, my favorite team and because it was such a huge change from my Yamaha career, too, you know, it was, like, that first understanding of, like, wow, like, this is this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah. What
1: about your favorite win?
0: <sighs> favorite win, like, I would say Daytona 05 stands out probably the most for some reason. Um, and mainly, like, I feel like there's been so many races that I feel can... They're, they're similar to it um and they they feel as awesome but like i got s- my ass kicked the week before in in uh atlanta and we went to we were going there and i was just like you know what this is ricky's place like i want to beat ricky at his place yeah and i just felt like i carried this intention into the weekend that he was never going to beat me like i smoked him at his own (laughs) thing you know and it's just like that feeling that you get when you beat somebody that seems somewhat unbeatable um in that place and i just just crushed him in everything like technically fitness like we i rode away from him you know and then he ended up just throwing himself on the ground and it was just like yeah like you felt like you ticked all those boxes that you wanted to tick personally you know that's awesome that was that was a fun win um
1: what about your most bitter bitter rival
0: bitter i would say obviously james you know like i felt like james and i just never had that like ricky and i like we wanted to kick each other's ass and everything like that but like there was always respect you know like We'd be at the airport, racing out of there to see who could get in the jet first. But there was like that common like we would talk like, "Hey man," like, and it was like, wasn't like we talked about like what we just did. It was like, "What's up?" You know, like, "How's life?" You know, talking about like him going wakeboarding or whatever. It was just like we had that mutual respect. Where James, you just there was never anything there. Yeah, like I, I always wanted to be his friend. I felt like like I always felt like like he he was intriguing to me. Like I felt like he was cool. He always looked cool, dressed badass. Mm-hmm. You know fox and everything yeah. like that and it was like you always were like he's cool but yet that relationship was never never there and we just always we just bitter you know like he's people hated my people my people hated him and i think that that was probably more the contributing factor of like why we got into it so much because you know it was just like the entourages were, yeah. were fighting more than a few dollars yeah
1: time. yeah but it, but that was that was fun all right, I got some listener questions. Um, one, this one's from Scott Arth- Scott Arthur, and he asks, uh, "What's the most radical factory option you ever tested that either worked or was a failure?" Uh, I would say that my my first taste of
0: riding a factory motorcycle was in uh, the end of two thousand. Um, I jumped on a plane to uh, from Australia to Japan uh, to test for Shizu- uh, Kawasaki, and what was it? The 2001. At that point, it was the new 2001. You know, KX250. And, you know, and it's riding it, and it's like engine's unbelievable. Act, like everything that you could think of from a factory bike, and it was just like it was cool. But there was something about it that just, as badass as it was, it was just, it was just good. Yeah. And then they have another bike sitting there with a number two on it. So it was kind of like a one bike and a two bike. And and they don't really, you know, like you're new and you're, I mean, at that point I'm 18 years old, so I really don't know. I do not have the experience. So anyway, you kind of, then they, okay, you know, you do it. I think we spent maybe a half day on one bike, you know, dialing it in. And then they're like, okay, jump on this bike. And immediately that bike just was, it like literally was made for you. Like it was one of those bikes where you're like, if you didn't know any different, like somebody made that bike for you. Yeah. Um, And I think uh, at the time it was, um they had you know, fro and Ricky had been also struggling. And I believe that they went back to the 2000. I mean, the nine, the 99 chassis. So it was 99 chassis. Um, so it was like that first, like basically like the bike, you I visually couldn't see anything different, you know, like I yeah. was too young. Um, but I was like, wow. And they're just like, I just remember being like that, that bike's awesome. You Way know? Better. And so I would probably say that, that, you know, just basically jumping on, on a motorcycle that was changed. And, and, there's been so many things since then you know makes it like it is and you and you know obviously you're aware of that but like yeah i mean it's kind of like one of those days you know you you get in trouble for saying it but it's like you know honda days it's like there's certain things that are manipulated right within you know within the gray area of the real book and and uh yeah and those things make it like although they're so tiny and so small
1: they make a big difference for sure um next one is from um dr papa i guess he's a pulp nation fan Um, he said how scary is doing a backflip on a dirt bike as compared to pinning it over a set of supercross whoops and have you done more than one backflip in your lifetime I did, I believe,
0: five or six backflips, um, and I landed only one. Um, crashed on all the others. Um, I would say a backflip is far more sketchy and more scary than a, than going through the whoops. Like the whoops is my comfort zone, yeah. you know. So like, I, I would I would choose whoops all day. Dude, the back the backflip thing scares the crap. And it was scary because it wasn't even. I didn't. I just did it on mulch, you know. It was and I kinda that got day. got you did five? Yeah, I was doing this video shoot. It was a really cool video shoot with Prostrana's uh, film crew and one thing led to another and I ended up getting talked into like this backflip and this guy an older guy one of you know one of the, the crew members goes oh yeah I'll do it and he jumps on and does his flip and I'm like watching I'm like man it looks pretty easy and I'm like this guy's old he's not in shape he's yeah. not an athlete he's not even a freestyler and I'm like alright I can do it and it's just first gear I never hit the jump and first time I hit it like full backflip
1: yeah. it was so scary that's not yeah. really, dude that's <laughs> freaking serious uh, this one's from Dark Side. he says as much as you disliked Stuart do you think he made, it, made you a better race Hundred percent. I think, uh, and even to the point where, like, yeah, like you, you know, like
0: what a lot of what I just said, and you know, becoming of age and respecting the things that you got to do and the people you got to race. Like, he's a guy I would love to go and play golf with. Yeah, you know, and like now you guys could be cool. We could be cool, and we could probably talk about some funny stuff. Yeah, um, but like when you won and when you beat James, like there was a sense of just like, dude, you just beat probably the baddest dude that's ever swung a leg over a dirt bike you Yeah, know? like i've never seen anybody do the things that he could do um and at that and at that level so it's like it was always just so rewarding to to do it and when you didn't it was just motivating like
1: win or lose mondays were were easy yeah you know For honestly sure. All right, dude. Um, I always end end it with uh, ten questions. Uh, they're like personality, just fun questions, whatever. Um, first ones: most important object that you own that you purchased.
0: Ooh. Oh, it seems like my cell phone these days. Cell phone? Like my cell phone <laughs> literally okay. I gets mean, that's, me from that's fine. point A to point B. It seems like I can't live without that damn thing. Um, your guilty pleasure food? Uh, ice cream. Ice cream. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, morning person or night? Night. night i'm a night owl so you would rather stay up than yeah, get up yeah i'm a stay up all night kind of guy rather than get up early
1: okay um biggest pet peeve
0: Ooh, small whoops and people jumping them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, uh weirdest quirk <sighs> i don't know i'll have to think about that one i don't know um any other job or talent MotoGP, gp obviously GP,
0: like yeah in my next life I want to I want to be GP guy for sure
1: Alright um travel back in time To any event Not really to do with your career or, or, or just, maybe like, Just whatever, whatever. Um,
0: What would I go back to I would probably Just say the Daytona f- 05 Weekend yeah like that whole weekend like you just I showed up with such Like I'm gonna win, and just like that gnarly chip on your shoulder, like dude, I was so mad all day, and just like I don't want to be mad all day, I don't want to relive that part, but more maybe like knowing that you're just gonna be badass that day and know it and and embrace it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I
1: know the feeling. Um, Thing you're the worst at. Uh, I'm the worst at
0: writing bikes that i'm not comfortable on you know like I, I just like i need i need something from the bike to be able to produce like and, and speed and comfort for me yeah and and short of that it, it drives me nuts and it's something that i content you know try to work on and try to work on it but like when i'm not in my window or the bike's not in that window it's it's not fun for me yeah. what about outside riding outside of riding I would say just being being so hard on yourself, like living that first or last kind of lifestyle, okay. you know, like okay. it's like you and and being able to turn it off. Like sometimes, like I feel like now I'm getting much better at it. And when you have three children and a and your wife, it's like you don't want to be mad Sunday through you know, Friday when you fly to the next race, you want to be able to let it let it go, move yeah. on and you know, so it's like just getting better at that. Like if it's a bad weekend, leave it and it's move gone. on. Yeah. yeah. Uh thinking
1: the best at other than your
0: job. Other than my job. Um I feel like i found like a balance with my home life you know like yeah. with ellie and the kids and like i really enjoy being a dad yeah. um i think being a dad has made me a better person a better husband even you know so like i think that it's brought like perspective and things to my life that that like things i used to be horrible at now are like more my strengths because of the things that i've like i've embraced for being a dad yeah um so i, yeah, I would say just being a dad um, What's your favorite, what's your go-to music, like, uh genre? I'm not a music guy. So, like, I've always, like, you know, like, my whole career being been, like, oh, what's your music? And I'm, like, I could drive down the freeway Whatever. with literally nothing playing. Or if there's something on the radio and somebody else puts it on, like, I'm good. Like, yeah. I'm not a, I don't know why, I've never been a music guy, like, at all. Like, it's not something, like, certain music, I could get it and I, like, I get motivated by it or it's, like, you have a connection. Yeah. But it's not something that I continuously
1: have to, like, I need it, you know? like right, i have it yeah um well either way you're gonna get to go home with this sick bag of scotch stuff for music and give oh, it to sweet. your kids or whatever they can listen to the speakers or um there's some cool phone mounts and stuff in there awesome um quote to live by quote to live by <laughs> i always shane
0: king uh taught me basically easy out easy in okay and that was pretty much like i learned that at 18 years old and it was all about like i was like always freaking out like you're spending too much money you're not making enough and he's just like just easy out easy and let ellie shop easy out easy and you know like and it's it
1: hasn't the flow's being good so i can't complain sweet dude thank you so much for doing this i really appreciate it i thoroughly enjoyed talking to you i love i love good bench race so um yeah uh all the best healing and we'll see you soon good luck this weekend thanks thanks dude Wow even as a twenty nine year old racer uh, and a 14 year pro it's insane to listen to some of Chad's perspective and just hear how he feels about some things It's really cool to hear him say that he's you know no longer chasing the same goals and um, also trying to um, you know, really appreciate the moments when they come. I can totally relate to that. And, um, I appreciate Chad's time for doing this podcast and I appreciate his honesty more than anything. And, and that's one thing with Chad that you're always going to get is pretty much the, the straightest arrow that he's got in his, in his arsenal. That's really awesome. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Scotia and Fly for their continued support of Shifting Gears. I'm sorry that, uh, there was a little bit of a gap in the, in the last few episodes, but, um, it's been really busy trying to get this, uh, get this thing off the ground and um yeah look forward to more in the near future thank you guys for listening